there's that boom, there's that bass dropping in, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you are one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, maybe you're in traffic, maybe you're doing the dishes, whatever it is, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week third love and quip they're bringing the show to you dlc of course the show all about games and their many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's and one t and i'm joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis the guy who is now officially accepting national sponsorship deals for the spice man what christian spicer um yes hello this is the spice man i'm now appropriate for all ages and available for any corporate parties or events you might have i will bring the spice one time only and the rest of the time (laughs) i'm available i feel like the spice man's lost his edge a little bit well, you know, the Spice Man has gone corporate, baby, and I will am here for you and your needs. All right, man. Well, all through the month of October, the Spice Man's going to be on. But you know what? That's not all we've got. We got we got a, a huge show talking about some intense news, uh, lots of great games. It's an amazing time of year for video games. And we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I am so excited because once again, DLC stands for Darling of Live Cable. Because (laughs) you know him from Attack of the Show and so many other places. The founder of Attack Media, one of my favorite people on the planet. Mr. Kevin Pereira is back with us. Kevin! Uh, Brat! 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 Man, I need a catchphrase. How are you guys? That was a pretty good catchphrase. Doing good, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for being back with us. It's been a long time. Pleasure. We're in episode 53. Oh, man. I'm I'm here to bring the fun and bring the funk. Let's talk communism! (laughs) Brat! 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 I love it. Wait, is the Spice Man censored because of... Is he is this how oh. much of ten cent does does is owned by the Spice Man? That's what that's, I want to know. That's the tough questions that is we got. Is he hawking with- netties? These decisions were made in the interest <laughs> of giving all voices a chance. <laughs> and how would you feel if you know someone said the other thing? So it's both sides. Um, yeah, that's um, fair. I would. I don't want anybody stomping the Spice Man. I can't have that. I can't have foreign influence. <laughs> I can't have their boot on the Spice Man's neck. I need say, the Spice Man. Let's just say the Spice Man has been around for a little while, and then the most popular game in the world has gone away. I'm not saying Spice Man did it, but I'm not saying he didn't do it. You know, yeah. so we got to take it easy. Follow okay. the spice. The spice <laughs> must flow, is what they say. You know. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the show. Uh, we're already hitting on uh, really one of the biggest stories of any week. Uh, let's uh, start the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Cool folks hanging out there. Really neat community. I encourage you to check it out. But Kevin, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. Ooh. What would you consider to be 
your story of the week. Oh, that's tough. Uh, I guess I guess we can we talk about well. Let's talk about it. I was going to say, Christian, I hope it doesn't blow up the spot, but this is the, the, rightfully so. There's very few times I can think of that I've done an interview where someone has said like, hey, is it okay if we talk about, and that thing isn't personally related to my test results, um, <laughs> <laughs> my credit score, something something that I've, oh my God, I, even even politics, I don't get that, but rightfully so. And I, and I appreciate that you asked if it was okay to talk about it. Um, and I had to kind of gut check for a second there because we're, we got to talk about Blizzard and Hearthstone and Tencent and uh, Chinese censorship and the Hong Kong protests and perhaps their five demands. I, I, we have to talk about it, right? Yes, yes. I mean, this has been the story of of the gaming world in the last week or two, and it has really uh, had some twists and turns. So if you haven't been paying attention what happened was a Hearthstone Grandmaster. Um, well, a little, I mean, what has happened is huge protests in Hong Kong. Like, the, yes, the that's bigger true. issue yes. isn't the video games, right? Well, yes, well, yes, our show is here to talk about the video game but angle. Let's go back it, to but, British rule, and then okay, we'll talk so, about the, the two countries, one system, or two <laughs> systems, far, Kevin, one Too far, too far. Wait, wait, wait the, what? First the dinosaurs came, oh. and then, you know, um, the... Uh, <laughs> So, yes, there have been uh, protests in China that uh, trying to um, that have been actively squashed by the Chinese government and actively, um, you know, anti-democratic sentiment and trying to silence uh, a lot of uh, that sentiment. And that has permeated into a lot of fields. You probably heard about it from uh, in the NBA and in other places. And now it has hit video games as well. So. There was uh, a Hong Kong player by the name of Blitz Chung who competed in Hearthstone and won a competition recently, last week. And uh, in his post-match interview, expressed uh, some support for those, uh, those, that democratic uh, uprising in Hong Kong and said the sort of the catchphrase that has become the rallying cry and also wore a mask and some of the things that the protesters have been uh, employing. And it, there's no, it was no mystery about what he was saying. And in fact, the casters who were casting that event, who were interviewing him uh, immediately hid under their desks because they knew he was saying something that he, that could get him in trouble. Uh, well, it, in trouble, it did get him because uh, Blizzard then announced that, they were not only banning him for a year from competition, but also rescinding the award money that he had already won, uh, like $3,000, I think it was, and then firing those two casters. Following that, there was a lot of backlash within the community, people feeling like the um, this was uh, trying to appease the Chinese government, uh, which has been very anti-democratic and Blizzard, of course, is doing a lot of business in China, has an entire game made for the Chinese market. Uh, and it, you know, it, it, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, including me. Uh, I canceled my WoW subscription. Um, and we'll get to all that. But uh, what we should say is that in the last couple of days, Blizzard, after being silent on this, following their actions for quite a while, uh, J. Allen Brack, the new president of Blizzard, came out with a statement. Uh, retracting the some of the steps that they had taken, uh, shortening the sentences of the bans. The ban instead of a year is now going to be six months for the player and will only be six months for the casters as well, even though they had been fired. It is just now a suspension for them. And the money that had been supposedly uh, taken back will still be awarded 
uh, to Blitz Chung. So that was a walk back a bit, but also the position was defended by Jalen Brack in this uh, very long letter, um, which I won't get into the weeds too much because I want to get your guys feedback and we can keep talking about this This is a big, complicated geopolitical story. And we want to try to do it justice, uh, taking it from the the video game angle, but it is, you know, it is a political story. Uh, so Kevin, this has, first of all, let's, let's get into sort of your feelings about how Blizzard handled this in the first place. And then we will move on to their updated, uh, approach and this response from Brack. Yeah. Um, obviously it's, uh, it's, it is a massive, massive topic. I think, I think Blizzard, um, look, part of the statement from their CEO is that, that the, uh, their relationship with China had absolutely nothing to do with their decision. Um, I don't think that passes the sniff test. I don't think many others do. I, I you know, a, a part of my gut says that had Blitz Chung spoken out about any other political or socioeconomic issue or gender equality or something else that was maybe more in line with the stances that Blizzard is comfortable taking, like having, you know, gay characters in Overwatch and not censoring their storylines at times, although they have censored in the past, I think for Russia and whatnot. But bottom line is, I think that their relationship with China had everything to do with the reaction. Um, if it didn't, why would you ban the casters? That to me is the, 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 the silliest portion of this whole thing they were they were riding shotgun without knowing where that car was going blitz chung made his statement uh he didn't crash a broadcast to make it he didn't interrupt play he was given a chance to to speak and that's what he chose to speak out about i thought it was incredibly brave of him and i think blizzard had a knee-jerk reaction as many have because uh chinese censorship and chinese influence over media and everything else is it definitely has a spotlight on it right now so i think all the sensitivities everything collided and maybe the pr department didn't have enough time to to hurdle up and figure out what would be the best course of action so instead they swung the ban hammer pretty hard and i think they felt the the wrath of their fan base and in my opinion rightfully so yeah i i tend to agree with all of that and in fact i would even say state it even more strongly in that i i really have a hard time believing that not only was the decision made because of China, it felt to me, and again, I'm not basing this on anything other than my gut reaction, which maybe isn't fair, but it felt to me like it was dictated by someone else. These terms were so extreme and so pervasive, really just shutting down anybody associated with this moment. It really felt to me like they were appeasing someone for appeasing China for, for this moment. And because we've seen it in the NBA and we've seen it in a a few other places, it felt like this moment, China decided to use the leverage, the economic leverage that they have and use it. And it's like somebody woke up and went, you know what? We actually can do something about this because people want our market and our money. So let's start making some calls. And it felt to me, again, I have no proof of this, but it, like you said, the sniff test, it felt like not only was Blizzard doing something that felt in direct violation of their own stated company policy, it felt like they were doing something that someone else decided they should do for them. And that just disappointed The proof is there, me. though. I think the proof is actually out there. Now, some would say it's, well, it's not proof that, that Blizzard had anything to do with this, or excuse me, Blizzard's relationship with China. But if you saw the NetEase 
uh, response. Um, for those who don't know that, I don't want to walk too far into the ball of spiders that is all the angles of this issue. But you know, Blizzard doesn't actually publish their games in China. They go through a company called NetEase. Um, NetEase and Tencent. You hear them a lot in this story. They're the big uh, game gatekeepers uh, that the Chinese government has sort of whitelisted as, hey, yep, you're, you're good to go. We know that anything you publish here is going to be fast-tracked and not held up because you're going to censor things in the way that we prefer. So NetEase, who for all intents and purposes to China is the blizzard there. You know, they're the ones publishing the titles and they're the ones policing social and releasing information. The official NetEase statement, the parting shot in that statement was about the pride of China. Mm-hmm. So if China had nothing to do with this decision or the reaction whatsoever, then the pride of China would not in any way be harmed or called into question by someone uh, promoting democracy in Hong Kong and supporting the protesters. The proof is there. That's an official statement by the company that Blizzard is working with to publish their games in China. Yeah. Christian, I know you and I have talked about this all week, um, and I know you feel strongly about it as well. Step me through your thought process as this was happening. Well, I think, I mean, it was a bad situation made worse by a horrible response to the response, if you will. Um, Brack so you don't, you don't like the Brack letter. You don't think that it, it, I, I felt like there is a reading of this Brack letter that could appease some uh, that were upset. I know a lot of people were canceling their subscriptions. I canceled my subscription and people were uninstalling games. You don't think this is enough to, um, you know, feel like Blizzard is listening? No, I I don't. I mean, he wrote himself in the letter. There's a bunch of first person eyes and stuff like that in there. I mean, is it an overreaction for me to say I think he should resign? Sure. Do I think he should resign? Yes. Yes, I do. Like, well, this- fairly fairly new on the job, it should be noted as well. He took over from yes. Mike Morheim, yeah, just last year. And so uh- the the views that he expressed and the way he held it out as I this and I that I think is. A, a gross misstatement of what this issue is. Um, and to the, the, the words that he used in it, it's, I mean, it goes past not passing the sniff test. It's the stuff of, well, Oh, we have to, all sides matter. Good people on every side. We got to listen to everything. We want to ensure that we maintain a safe and inclusive environment for all of our players and that the rules and processes are clear all of this in service of another important Blizzard value, play nice, play fair. Okay, maybe reads fine enough in passing, except the rules and processes that he's citing are just, we can do what we want when we want. I'm I'm paraphrasing that, but that is what their policy says, right? If Blizzard don't like it, we can punish you. So to well, say that- well, yes, I, I just, I'm going to try to play devil's advocate a bit because why? I think we're all, we're all on the same side a little bit, but I just want to be fair because you're, you are paraphrasing it. And, and it, I think it's a clause in a contract that makes some sense. It is basically saying, Hey, if you make us look bad in any way, we have recourse to sever our relationship with you and take back any money we've paid you. So there is a reading of that clause that said that you could understand in being like, Hey, we want, we want to make sure you're not doing stupid things. We want to make sure you're not advocating for, you know, a, a white supremacy or whatever it is. We want to make sure that, that you're not doing stupid stuff. And we, I think that I makes have, sense as a clause. I have had, uh, sorry to interrupt Jeff, but I've, I've had a couple gigs in, in my day where there's certainly those clauses written in, um, yes. you know, yes. and, and, uh, you know, unfortunately this one is so nebulously worded though. It, it, it does make it clear if you offend a group or any persons really, 
we can do whatever we want. And I think that this show, like the, the everybody, uh, the blanket statement, but from what I saw, people mostly understood like, oh, the egregiousness of the act, speaking out in support of Hong Kong protesters, the punishment did not fit the perceived uh, crime in this case by any For sure. And I also, definitely agree with that. I understand the clause as a business protecting a business's interest. Yes, you try to cram everything in it that you can because most people don't read it or understand it. And they're the disadvantaged party when they're going into this type of negotiation. So they're likely to sign anything, even if it isn't beneficial for them. And Blizzard has all of the power in that instance. But to then have a clause like that, that then they're going to run out later as if it's following some due process. That's the thing. He's oddly attaching it to this idea of like, everything is fair. We want to follow all of the practices and standards. No, there's nothing fair about it and the way it's worded or constructed could it be used to justify decent actions yes 100 percent, it could but to sit here and write this letter about like everybody needs to have uh, a voice we want to protect this and there's a quote in here later uh to where let me see if i can find it um it's about imagine if he had taken the other side where is that uh Oh, man. Oh, he said, uh, if this had been the opposing viewpoint delivered in the same divisive and deliberate way, we would have felt and acted the same. Yeah. So one is a viewpoint for democracy. And the other is a a viewpoint, the, the hypothetical viewpoint that he pitches is one in support of a regime that is uh, brutal. And I'm not saying that our regime is not brutal and hasn't done horrible things. But this idea that, you know, oh, if it had been, imagine if he said something you didn't like, then you'd want us to punish him. But just because he said something you do like, you're mad that we punished him. It's it's all just corporate mumbo jumbo meant to distract from the the larger issue that is Activision Blizzard is a huge company. They're concerned primarily with their bottom line. They thought they could get away with this without anyone really noticing or caring. And it bit them in the butt and good. Well, I think good. the most salient I think the most salient point there is not that is not that you know they thought they could get away with it per se. It's more like you you have to stand for something and you're going to stand for something. There is no way to be impartial. There's no way to be this this thing where it's like, well, any political statement that anybody says, it, we will sh- completely shut down because we are here to just play games and play fair. That's just not re- the real world. That's not realistic. Yes, he st- stepped outside the confines of talking about Hearthstone for a moment and spoke out in in favor of something. But the thing he spoke out in favor of something is is seems to be directly aligned with what the company should be in favor of. So the idea that it's like, well, we just want to make sure nobody's talking about stuff that's not Hearthstone feels disingenuous because if you are a company that, you know, puts these things on literally, literally on a pedestal in your, in the front of your company, um, then you should, you know, put your money where your mouth is. And it, and it felt Instead, to they're me, putting their mouth where their money is. Yes, exactly. That it felt to me that money is the absolutely talking in this case. And Kevin, I wonder. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that. Sorry to uh, nope. interrupt again, Jeff. I mean, like, I, I'm glad that people are finally, you know, with this this slow encroachment over over control of our media, uh, our video games, our movies, etc. Uh, it's it's been a slow boil. It's been a slow burn. We've allowed a lot of outside investment, and now you know people are beholden to to countries and their politics. And I'm glad that people are waking up. And one thing that I saw a little bit um, 
you know, I think part of the outrage too is that we we place such a high value on the, our freedom of speech, the fact that we can discuss this and we should have no repercussions. And I think people are starting to realize, oh, wait, 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 I can't, I can't hold this sign up at a basketball game here in America, or I can't like this image on Twitter, or I might be banned from a country, but wait, I, I don't subscribe to that country's politics. And we've always said, but no, if we spread our media and allow others to help influence, maybe maybe we'll influence their politics. And what we're finding out is, no, it's the other way around. Like we're not influencing those towards democracy. We're willing to sacrifice democracy in exchange for the dollars. And I think people are a little uncomfortable in waking up. And I also want to add that I saw a handful of the reaction of, just as I was saying, this has been going on for so long. Where were you? Why didn't you wake up? Yeah, oh, now you're here. And I just want to encourage those to say like, chastise someone for being late to the party after the party. (laughs) <laughs> Go win the war. You've got, you know, allies in the current battle. Welcome them. If it takes a Hearthstone tournament to wake somebody up to injustice and a protest and, you know, corporate influence or whatever, however you want to approach the angle of it, great. Embrace the allies instead of chastising them for showing up late. I think that's a great point. And it, it, it's something that I, you know, I take away as being a, a really wonderful silver lining here is how the gaming community, which you know, could very well be viewed as being cynical and self-centered and self-involved and not particularly concerned with geopolitical politics, uh, you know, geopolitical, you know, uh, inequality. Uh, Actually, people are doing something. People care. People care. And they care about it more than their video games. Enough people have actually made this a thing that it is a huge story and it is a huge story in video games. And I think it's the kind of it's kind of the opposite of a Gamergate type of a situation. It's actually people thinking about others instead of themselves. And you know, part of me is very encouraged by all this that that enough uh, gamers are looking at this and going, "Hey, I don't want the company that makes my entertainment to just behave this way." Um, so I, I hope this has real long lasting effect somehow. But I don't know. Look, I I got confetti in my eye as I was swinging my cape around today as people were cheering me. Uh, it was the, all the accolades were, of course, because I refused to play Call of Duty Mobile today. I've heard <laughs> great things about the title, but I'm willing to go that far. I'm willing to sacrifice my free to play fun time, yeah, to to make a to make a statement, and You're I'm willing a true to do hero. it. Thank Not you. all heroes wear capes, but some do on a day when confetti is falling on. <laughs> I wear one constantly when I'm telling people I'm a hero. Look at my cape. Yeah. No, and I do mean, you I, feel, do you feel upset that you deleted your, your, your Battle.net when you, or you did, you didn't delete Battle.net. You just canceled your WoW subscription, right? Yeah. I canceled my WoW subscription. Haven't played a, a Blizzard game. Haven't logged on to Battle.net. What might it uh, take I, to get you back? That some, some people have asked me that on Twitter and that is a question I wanted to put to you guys as well, because I don't know. What would the it take to bring you back? I don't know. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. What would it take to bring me back? <laughs> That's a no, question I, I want to ask you guys. <laughs> yeah, answer my questions for me. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like what, what, what can they do? Like this clearly is the statement that Brack released and it's long. And I encourage listeners to read all of it because I, I'm not going to read all of it. It, it is long and he addresses several of the points that we have made and that others have made. I don't know if I don't, Personally, this statement felt um, too little, too late, and not not particularly, um, not particularly 
honest. <laughs> you know, like you said, <laughs> like you said, yeah. Kevin, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't pass the sniff test. It's not, it doesn't. It's a and, stinky and I, release. I mean, I've been sniffing yeah. like there might be truffles in there. It's a, it's a stinky release. I don't, I don't believe that, that business had nothing to do with this. I don't believe they're just like, well, you can't say those things in Hearthstone. I, it, so I would they wish- have to? Would he have to come out? I mean, well, Christian, earlier you you uh, insinuated that a resignation might be in order. Would that yeah. put you back into playing Blizzard Activision games? It'd be a first step. I don't know. I'm not calling for the job of anybody at this point. I don't know. I, and I also want to ask you guys what you think this BlizzCon is going to be about. I mean, we, it's around the corner. We're, we're weeks away from it, and yes. this was going to be the one. This was going to be the one they were making up for last year's PR nightmare, you know? <laughs> right, where the messaging was actually directed towards a primarily mobile gaming Chinese audience. And I'm yes. like, come on, we're bringing a favorite franchise to China. Mobile first, baby. Yeah. <laughs> this was going to be making up for that. And you know what would get me back in their fold? Invest in my company. NetEase. Tencent. That's what I'm saying. Like, clearly there's a dollar amount for Blizzard to remain silent or to actively squash others. I'm sure I have that dollar amount. I haven't Let's been offered it. it yet. It's Let's not for lack of trying. Yeah, we can, we can we can we can all sell out. That'd be fun. There's a certain amount of commas I could nestle up with that night, and just they'll help <laughs> me sleep. Just rest my head on all those commas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm very curious how this BlizzCon is gonna gonna roll. Is it gonna make me feel uh, even worse about how this company handles things? I mean, we've seen. I referenced it uh, obliquely earlier, but, but we've seen in internal strife within blizzard of people covering up the the sayings that they have on statues in front of the building we've seen some walking employees out as well. walking out yes and i you know kudos but also like that that's a big big problem for blizzard and i think moreover one of the reasons that i have been such a blizzard fanboy for so long is not only because i love their games which i do but because it felt like a company that got it you know it felt like it felt like a small company in big shoes. You know, it felt like they had the, this corporate culture that felt like its heart was in the right place. They loved games. They wanted to, to promote goodness and positivity. I mean, BlizzCon itself is such a positive thing most years. Um, and, and it's so disappointing to me that it seems like the company is so far away from that right now. Are you going to go? And how- oh. No, I'm not going. Do you go every year, Jeff? Uh, I missed uh, during the birth of my child. I missed uh, a year, but oh, so you're not that, hardcore, is what you're saying? I got I'm it. not hardcore. No, uh, uh, <laughs> but you know what? Also, there's a dollar amount for my child. Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> hey, in, in China, that can go pretty. How far along are those organs? <laughs> I kid. Except no, they do harvest organs. All right, what were we talking about? BlizzCon? What? <laughs> Yeah, I usually go. I, I've gone almost every BlizzCon that that has existed, and uh, I mean, I, 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 I think it will be. Although I kind of want to go just to see the the dumpster fire that's going to happen. Yeah. I think, on depending where on where you look, it will feel very similar, and then depending on where you look, it will feel very different. I got, I, I woke up to an email. Um, I think it was like "Fight for Our Future," or "Fight for the Future," which was did a lot of stuff for um, uh, open internet lobbying and stuff like that and they have now started uh you know queuing up i think they started a discord for irl protests at blizzcon i i think that anaheim is a city built for you know where blizzcon takes place and where you can keep people out of and how you can keep protests in a certain area you know i i feel as if that if you want to go to blizzcon and just have a blizzcon and just pretend it's blizzcon and there's a blizzcon 
I think you'll be able to do that. But I think I don't know. I think for the people that work at Blizzard, um, everything is going to be viewed through a microscope, right? Like, are they not going to address any of this? Are they just going to walk on stage and be like, this is the year Diablo 4 for PC, you know? And Pre-ordered, like, baby! Pre-ordered! <laughs> Honest forgiven! Like, you know, Heroes of the Storm, <laughs> back, better than ever. Like, it's, it seems like you're, it's danged if they do, danged if they don't. I don't. You can't sit up there, oh, they can, you know, just address it for like, Whatever, but I've heard you know they're canceling a lot of the Q and As after things, which is that would be. I mean, that would be where it would feel like not BlizzCon because BlizzCon, That's what BlizzCon has is. Always a, it's always been a dialogue. It's always been a way for the the fans to talk to the developers, and if they're gonna shut that down or censor that or hold it, you know, hostage in some way, it feels weird to me and and really a bad look. Yeah, is I mean, this, yeah, this giant yellow umbrella is going to cast a large shadow over every <laughs> every announcement, like even over the B roll that is played when they talk about their games. Like they're going to have to be looking at every single frame. I mean, it is. Do they not show are, May? Like, does the crowd go right. wild when it's like, what are they? Yeah, right. I love and by you know you were mentioning earlier like the the love of how the gaming community really, really rallied around this one from all angles and you know it touched on so many things and. Uh, making May a symbol for the Hong Kong Dude. revolution was a brilliant, brilliant move. And they're so going smart. to have to address it because someone will be cosplaying as May with an eye patch or a gas mask or both. And they're going to have to figure out, does that make it on the official coverage? Do they allow that inside? They're going to have to make a million more business slash censorship decisions in the wake of this. You mean non non I'm sorry, non. non uh, yeah, thank you. Non yes. business, all yes. inclusive. They're going to have to let every voice matter. Every thank voice you. has to matter mm-hmm. so much when it's screaming as it's being dragged out by security. <laughs> and all of those PR people that they laid off last year, they had like oh. the culling. Blizzard had the big firings that we, we talked about on this show. Uh, we should, the, you know what? Mostly PR people. It's like, can we, maybe we need those people to help out every- this year. Everybody should put their questions, whatever they are, for whatever game. Like, let's say it's, this is Diablo 5 announced, Diablo 4 announced, Diablo whatever announced. Okay, great. Q&A is happening after. There's three loot boxes on stage filled with questions. Whichever one they open, they have to answer. Personally, <laughs> <laughs> let's give them a taste of their own medicine. Let's see what, what rare and epic censorship questions come popping out of something. Well, speaking of epic censorship, uh, another angle on this is that epic actually had a statement. Uh, Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic, said that despite the fact that Tencent owns nearly 40% of Epic's like shares. 48% or something. That's almost 50%, I believe. Yeah, they, they are. I'm, I'm reading here. It's approximately a 40% shareholder. But um, that Tim Sweeney said, no way will we censor. No way will we make this kind of stand. No way will we be doing what Blizzard does uh, so long as I'm CEO and controlling shareholder. Um what do you think about that, Kevin? Are you are you happy to be playing some Fortnite because of that? I well, uh, th- did you see what they in in response? Tencent deleted the season. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say next <laughs> next story. Yeah. Next story. They yeah. just shut down the server entirely. They're like, we'll show you. Forty percent of your game is gone. You can have the launcher and the <laughs> keyboard settings, <laughs> but we're oh, taking man. everything else. Yeah. Um, I thought it was amazing. I was so happy to see Tim say that, and I hope people take advantage of the fact that he said that I would like to see Fortnite streamers and at their next major tournament, I don't know what it is. I don't actually follow Fortnite too closely, but I thought that was, 
Uh, look, I don't know what his play is. Maybe he's hoping that he'll be ousted in his golden parachute. He could just fly it away for a wrongful termination lawsuit. I have no idea. Maybe he is the hero that we need, but give that man a cape because I appreciate him coming out, getting in front of that and saying it. And when questioned and pressed on it, people said, well, what, what would you do if that happened uh, right now at a Fortnite tournament? He said, it will be allowed as long as I'm the CEO of this company. That's a, that's a, a pretty red, white, and blue flag to plant in the issue from where I'm sitting. Yeah. And he says also, you know, we are an American company. This is a U.S. company, despite the fact that we have foreign investors, we we have the, the values of an American company. And I found that very stirring. I found that very uh, admirable. And I, I you know, at, at a time when it's easy to question America's values uh, on a global scale, it, it's wonderful that that to feel that and go, yeah, that's exactly how Blizzard should have responded is, hey, you guys are right. This was not an American value that we were supporting. We are an American company, and that's why we we did that. We, we're wrong, Mia culpa. Let's move forward and undo this. Instead, they didn't. It, it really feels like Brack doubled down and was like, "Hey, yeah, we did it too fast. We did it too harshly, but it was still the right thing to do." And then lectured so. about what their values are. Like you're just like our values are fair. It's like don't no don't don't talk to me like that. We know what your values are. Your employees are covering them up because you're not living up to them. It that statement sucked. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a that's a heavy topic, but one you know that. Can I just a- also sorry? Just tell you, but as we were rounding it, out, I know we're rounding it out. I'm so sorry. Sure. I'm no, just. No, I, it's been a while since I've actually been trusted to say anything in this world. Oh so no, no, no you. one's trusting you, still, Kevin. Oh no! <laughs> I, oh, I, I got bamboozled. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Um, wait, this isn't live. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I love, I, I, some people are like, hey, keep your peanut butter out of my jelly. Keep your politics out of my basketball. Keep it away from my video games. This is my escape. And I understand that. Um, respectfully, I, I disagree. I think it's absolutely um, incredible that, you know, games are universal and broad enough now and uh, where y- you can't escape this. This is a geopolitical issue. This is a morality issue. This is a big business issue. This is everything. And it's still gaming. And and gamers are are mostly united, it seems, in their response. And I just, I love it. I love that it's forcing that conversation. And I would have never thought playing my, you know, Sega Master System or my Intellivision that someday that was going to be the backdrop for for <laughs> geopolitical issues. I, yeah, it's, it's a really incredible moment thing. of time. The, 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 where what kids are growing up in now. I mean, I think we were all blithely unaware of the greater world when we were involved in our uh, our recreation, you know, our escapism. And I don't think people have that luxury anymore. And and maybe it's for the better. Uh, we everything is about everything, and it, it. I think that's kind of a good thing to be conscious of that stuff. And yeah, I know some people want to cling on to that. Uh, that lovely sense of being able to be disconnected, but it, it doesn't help anything. And uh, maybe this is good. Maybe this is where the world needs to go, where we actually understand the interconnectedness of, of where our dollars go, even in entertainment. So, and what did um, the Klingons ever do for us? You know, well, you know, there's some, there's some next generation stuff where they're, they're real, they're real pals, buddy. They're really, you know, that, Look, Worf. not all Klingons were bad. Let's not make blanket statements. <laughs> Hashtag good not all Klingons. Klingons. Yes. <laughs> I'm waiting for Picard right. to come back to tell me. I don't know what happened. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, yeah, let's talk about that. I'm it looks so, so good. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Trailers yeah. make me um, cry anyway. 
Sincerely, uh, Nettie's, I, I am for sale. I can't be bought. I will produce <laughs> anything for your Overwatch League. I'm happy to do it if you need me on the floor or hosting uh, BlizzCon. I'll take the heat. I'll say it was my decision. I don't care. I'll get on stage. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Finally, a man with integrity, Kevin Pratt. <laughs> um, all right. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Well, we hinted to it and around it. And by the time you're listening to this, the hard part about this being a story of the week is that by the time you're listening to this, it might be resolved. But as oh, of undoubtedly, it'll be resolved. It's gonna be, I, how long do you think it's going to actually be down? It's already been down. So as of recording, as of recording this Sunday night, Fortnite, if you log in, there's no Fortnite. It was kind of the end of season 10. Um, I'm conflating a bunch of stuff, but person arrives, blah, blah, blah. Missiles, rockets, voids come down. All of Fortnite, kablooey. Kablooey. Sucked into a black hole. There's no Fortnite. It doesn't exist. It's been hours now hours and they were teasing like the end is coming and stuff like that and some people have data mined for um fortnite version 2 and boats and a new island and a new map a new map has been rumored and leaked for a long time so whether or not that's resolved or not right now to me that's not necessarily the interesting part of the story i think what is the most interesting part of the story is that how many games that are live always on always streaming like ninja stop streaming for 24 hours I'm, I'm paraphrasing but to like go to e3 or something like that and loses subscribers like this is a game that is always being played its popularity is based on that you can part in part that you can play it anywhere on almost anything at any time and they're gone for- and it's one of the most popular games on the planet so yes. i mean there's there's money being left on the tables right yes. now yes uh, and i love this me too i love this it is. It is. It's an event. It's a yeah, real it's event. Wonderful storytelling is what it is. It's, it's getting pressed it's by trauma. being unplayable, right? Like, yes, it's it's trending worldwide. Yeah. And if someone's like, "What is this Fortnite? I want to check it out," they can't. That's incredible. It, I love it. Yes, yeah. The this the like Fortnite was playable for me at nine thirty this morning. I didn't launch it. I haven't updated it in a while. It's just not my cup of tea. But I tell you what, as soon as this update is done, I'm going to hop in and check it out. Like the fact that I can't have it now and the fact that they are leaving that money on the table and that you can't actually play it is brilliant. And usually server maintenance is met with, you know, all caps shouting to anybody (laughs) who might have ever worked tech support, you know, people calling up their cable providers and whatever else here people are marketing the fact that you can't play. And I think it's brilliant. It's genius. I'm I'm not like a super fan of the game by any stretch, but I'm certainly going to check it out and see what's new. This is the video game franchise equivalent of killing Ned Stark. You know, this is like, but the thing that I love, you're taking it away from me. Yes. Why? Because it's drama because it, because now you're invested and now we're telling you a story that you care about. Now you go, what, what could possibly be so important that you need to take this away from me? And on a weekend, normally you bury server maintenance or a big update. You slip that in on like a Thursday morning or a Tuesday afternoon. Whoops, we're down for an hour. Close it up shop. But this was a, they built towards the fact that you cannot log in right now. This is Avengers Endgame. This is letting Thanos win for a few, you know, for a few months while you're like, when is that next movie coming? It's brilliant. And, but I, and how long, how many, how many provisions do I need? How long is this going to last? Have they done anything like this in the past? Is this unprecedented? Yes. It, they have not done anything like this in the past. This is unprecedented. It, there's been like server errors and stuff like that. But to have a, I mean, I guess the only time they did this in the past is when uh, 
it was announced at E3 2012 and didn't come out until 2017. (laughs) 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 But otherwise, no, this is, this is huge. And the, the fact that it's still going again, as of recording and the social media blackout, there's no like, thanks for staying with us. Like it's been seven hours now or whatever it is. And there's no, like, we appreciate your patience. You're the best fans in the world. We'll be back on the 14th, you know, or whatever it is. Like, just just radio silence history. done well it's actual in- history it's yeah awesome. i love that they're actually and they're 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 intelligently leveraging their other social channels to make this downtime even more exciting you know to your point instead of just saying oh sorry uh we're not around right now they're actually doing some sort of like alternate reality game that's going on and there are messages and numbers that are flashing on the screen and people are trying to decode them and their social media accounts have tweeted out photos of the black hole and there's a live stream of the black hole right now that thousands are watching. And I don't know if, if there are official numbers yet, but there are many saying that this might've been the most watched event in gaming history ever across all streaming networks. And with people in game, this might have actually been the largest event ever. I and believe it's free it. to play per view. I mean, that's free to play per view. Love it, it. it. It's incredible that this is a free product that makes them tons of money hand over fist. And empowers the ceo to say yeah fire me if you want china but go hong kong like i love that sorry to bring it back to that no it's great i, I totally agree 100 percent. so we will Are you guys I'm gonna sure, play do you play christian plays i haven't played in a long long time but i'm curious now i'm like i'm intrigued Christian, are you excited for a new map and maybe the robots are coming back? Yeah, I, I am excited for what we're going to do. I am a lapsed player. I almost remonetized when Batman came in because I thought those skins looked great. But I, I still play. I mean, I have it on literally everything I own. Um, and I definitely find myself just jumping in and playing it. I had moved oh, so on. Wait, so when you say when you say lapsed, you mean you don't put money in the machine, but you do still play it? Shut up, Kevin. No one asked you. No, no I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That wasn't supposed to be attack. That was genuine curiosity. Like, oh, now you're just plugging your own brand? How convenient. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I will still play. And yes, by lapsed, I meant regularly, where it'd be like, you know, multiple times per week or every day. And then, yes, spending. Um and I had honestly, I had moved to Call of Duty. I talked about it, I think, on this week's show, on this week's show, on last week's show. Um, and I, I did delete it off my phone um, For you. and started getting back into Fortnite. Oops, uh, not anymore. But it's, I mean, it's a phenomenal game, right? Like, I'm, I've won once, I think, in solo and a few times in team, and I'm never going to be good. But I love what they put into it and how they keep tweaking it and, and the way they keep changing it and adapting it and trying to not they're not resting on their laurels and they're constantly playing with the thing that made it the most successful game in the world. I think it's incredible. It's, it shows some, uh, some, you know, the balls, some, some, some guts, some not, like you said, not resting on your laurels, actually doing something little risky and fun. And, uh, it's, I, I totally respect stuff like that. I saw the way the community screamed when mechs were there and they were a little unbalanced and they came out right before a tournament. And like the, all of these mistakes would might have crumbled <laughs> another developer with another online game and then they run screaming in the other direction. But they, they took their time. I, I know they ended up removing some of the mech stuff, but to, to both of your points, they're not afraid to, to, to poke and prod and, and see what's working. So I am excited for season 11. I don't know what it's going to bring. I'm not following the ARGs, but I'll download it when it's here and I'll log in. And when somebody puts a ramp in front of me and then, you know, teabags me before I have a 
a chance to even spin around, then I'll uninstall it again. It's fine. My favorite uh, <laughs> thing was that someone said they're going to Fortnite's going to come back. It's going to be called Fortnite, but it's just Paragon or whatever their other game was. <laughs> it's just like we're back. And everybody's like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> if they go, if they go full low grav instagib, then I'm you. You have me at hello. I'm in. <laughs> All right. Uh, I do have my story of the week coming, but I want to thank our first sponsor before we get there. And that is Third Love. Oh, man. My wife loves Third Love. I know, Christian, your wife does as well. Third Love is a bra company. They make bras, but not just any bras. The best bra my wife has ever had. She loves her Third Love. She just ordered a bunch of new ones. Why? Well, they're the most comfortable bras she's ever had. They're the highest quality bras she's ever had. And they're super easy and convenient to purchase because you just do it online. They, they got a size perfect fit promise. Perfect fit promise. They promise well, it's going to fit. And you got 60 days to wash and wear these things. I'm sorry, Jeff. I just don't know if your wife has told you. If you don't love it, the returns are free. So literally, that, you got nothing to risk. But you know what? Not even that. If, if you don't love it, you return it. And then they donate it to a woman in need. So it's like you, there's really nothing to lose. Tr- totally nothing to lose. Plus, this sounds like the, a broken business model, but I support them. I, yes, I don't know how. Well, you know what it is. Nobody returns it because they love it because ah, it's that's fits how they so get you. They got over fourteen million women who've taken their quiz. That's a quick little quiz that that you answer a few simple questions to find the perfect fit, and uh, and then all of a sudden you've got a bra that like like the likes of which you've never experienced, where it's actually actually fit correctly. They have more sizes than most other other brands. Uh, and if you buy in bulk, I'm sorry, Jeff, I'm so sorry to interrupt. I know. But if you buy in bulk, they pass the savings uh, to you. That's good business. Get your bras in bulk Buy four. You could save 40 bucks. Unbelievable. More than 80 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes. You can skip the trip, find it online, use that fit finder order, try it on at home. No awkward fitting room experiences, comfort, quality, that perfect fit promise that Kevin already mentioned. And Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order when you go to thirdlove.com slash DLC to find your perfect fitting bra. Get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC for 15% off today. T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E dot com slash DLC. Check them out. You're going to love it. It's the perfect gift uh, or, you know, treat yourself thirdlove.com slash dlc bravo thank you you mean bra bra yeah i was like come on come on on. um kevin you know i love you but i feel like uh you 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 aren't sorry to interrupt i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) i love it he's actually helping the show christian it's a bit it's a real change but look therapy has taught me it's like i am definitely sorry for every action i take i just don't also i also don't let uh the the acceptance of that apology uh affect me in any way i'm like i am (laughs) i'm sorry i'm a terrible human being but i'm gonna continue that's how I feel about well, the Spice I'm making- Man. I'm sorry for everything he's done to the show, but he will be back. <laughs> I love the Spice Man. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Spice Man hits a like a frequency that actually makes the small grills on AirPods rattle. It's impressive. <laughs> I haven't. I've listened to the new Tool album at 11, and Maynard could not do that, but the Spice Man came right in, right hot, rattled the metal. Kudos. We could, every every episode comes with a free ear massage. That's what we. That's, that's the DLC promise. 
the Spice Man promise. All right. Um, I don't know my story of the week. My story of the week is definitely Blizzard and China. Uh, but I, you know, I can't help myself. I'm going to talk about this PSVR patent idea uh, because I, I like VR. It's been a long time since I've experienced it because I had eye problems. But I'm so excited to get back into it. PlayStation VR uh, evidently has a new model, or at least the, the potential for a new model. Uh, Let's Go Digital found a patent that was filed back in February, all the way back in February, for a new version of PlayStation VR that includes uh, front-facing cameras, uh, AR-style uh, capability because it, it has a, a, a translucent front where you could you know could make it full vr or make it ar it would take advantage of bluetooth and be wireless i'm just bringing this up because i want to say make this sony please please make this uh are you a vr guy kevin have you i think you've played I, some vr i i have two oculus quest systems sitting behind me that i the, if i could just muster up a percentage of my first and a half week excitement for i'm sure i would really enjoy but i get excited like PSVR, I think is is I mean, from a hardware standpoint, one of the worst VR experience. Not the well, I'll say it's one of the worst of like the mid to high tier, quote unquote, VR experiences. Um, that said, it's the one I got the most play out of because yeah. Sony crushed the, the experience and the software was great. So anytime Sony makes an announcement in this space, I do I definitely get excited and playing with some of the wireless streaming capabilities of the relatively underpowered Oculus Quest from my computer with like a 5G, not fully tweaked, uh, you know, Wi-Fi setup. Um, it's already very promising. So if this headset is truly wireless and is using the next generation PlayStation to beam the imagery and handle the game, uh, that it could be lightweight. It could be uh, battery savvy. It could be a, a killer app for VR. Yeah, I want them to do it. I think the PlayStation VR is is due for an upgrade, man. I, I think, as you said, it is um, it is still a, a cool experience, and the games that they've put out are are super high quality, especially the exclusives. But man, being tethered like that with that big thick cable, the the earphone situation is not ideal. Especially the Move controllers are just so perfect. Unfortunate. Oh. Uh, I just, I want this to happen. And I hope, I I feel like stuff like this points to the fact that Sony is still committed to this and really still feels the PlayStation VR is a viable, um, you know, uh, use case for their their system and and they're going to be sticking with VR for the foreseeable future. So I'm encouraged by that as well. And I, I'm really curious and I'm so, so sorry. So sorry to interrupt you. Um, I'm very curious to see how Sony handles the messaging of this at the next E3 because they, on one hand, if I know that two next generation consoles are coming out at the end of the year, they're probably going to have roughly the same features, roughly the same price point, et cetera, et cetera. Ray tracing, 8K. Okay, great. You got me. But the killer app or the promise of a, a next gen VR experience might make me want to future proof a little bit and lean towards Sony, but they can't find themselves in the same situation as like, as maybe let's say an Xbox one and the connect by saying like, they can't have too much messaging to do in terms of this is our new console. Here's what it'll do. Plus we've got VR and it makes Julian fries. They can't come out with that too much. Conversely, Microsoft might need to start talking integrations uh, that are deeper with Oculus. They've toyed with that in the past and there's been some experiences. I'd also like to see them maybe talk about a, a HoloLens targeted towards gamers that's powered by the the next generation. So I, I'm just so curious and excited for the way this is from like a business standpoint. How will they handle the marketing, the messaging and the timing of all these releases and add-ons? 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. I feel the same way. Christian, Christian anything to add? <laughs> no, I love I, I love it. Uh, I'm a proud Quest owner. I'm very excited for that cable to let me play my Rift games on, yeah. on my Quest. Uh, I'm tempering my excitement because I just know that a patent does not a device make. Um, and a lot right. of these features seem um, farther out. I think Sony is still pretty cost sensitive in terms of their VR approach, or they had been in the past with using reusing the PlayStation Eye. Uh, or the move controllers and they weren't the pushing the cutting edge of fidelity of screen fidelity and stuff like that. So I think all these features sound incredible and the space is, you know, it's far from dead despite what everybody wants to say. There were rumors I was reading this weekend about Apple's AR VR headset, you know, maybe coming late 2020. I think I saw that on like nine to five Mac or something like that and the quest. And so, yes, I think we are going to see a revision of PlayStation VR, but I'm not expecting it to your point, Kevin, I'm not expecting it to coincide anywhere near the launch of the PS5. I think that messaging will be, hey, your PSVR still works. You can carry that over. Is it a display? It's backwards compatible. You can play all your great games, blah, blah, blah. And then about a year or so after that console's released, it's like, here we go. And they give an, a new exciting thing to ramp up. Right. Right. That's probably the way to go down. I love that as a Quest owner, the thing that you're most excited for, as I am, is a cable. So we can tether <laughs> our beautifully standalone wireless headset. Right? Well, then it's the best of both worlds. I, I, I love my Quest experiences, but to know that I'm able to get those Rift games back again, especially with a couple of those exclusives that are, are coming. Wrath just came out this week. Yeah. Uh, so, so I was good, so bummed so that it's not for the Quest, but yes, that's why I want a cable so bad. <laughs> so good. All right, uh, let's move on and talk about the games that we have been playing in a little segment we call The Playlist. Kevin, you have play, been playing some interesting things, including one of the games that's still on my favorite games of the year list. Apex uh, Legends! <laughs> that's not the one, but that's one you've been playing a lot of, oh, right? Yeah, I was hoping that was on there. It should be. It's great. The mo- yeah. Like the mobility, the high-end the, the high meta of Apex Legends, it feels like you're playing a fighting game. It truly mm. feels like you're doing Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat combos with just the mobility of your character. And it's it's been thinking of it and approaching it in that way has changed. I'm still garbage at it, but it's changed the way I play and appreciate the game. And I... I'm still very addicted to it. But which game was on your top wait, list? Wait, wait, wait. I want to talk Apex. Let's we talk Apex okay. for a little bit while yeah. we're here. Has, season. has the Halloween event started? Like it's a game that I fell off uh quickly. And I think because of their kind of first release of DLC and their season. Yeah, that pack, was rough. It was rough. So I kind of was like, eh, hey, I'm gonna check out for a little bit. But this Halloween event, if obviously I'm not too committed because I don't know if it started yet. I think that sounds really exciting. I'm excited to see w- what they do going forward. If you're talking about season three, which did just come out, I don't know if there's going to be a separate, you know, spoopy Halloween something that's happening, but season three just started. Um, it's a brand new map, a uh, completely different map that uh, is elemental based. And there's like water geysers that you can go running through and it'll blast you up into the air. And there's um, almost like quest like elements where you can get key cards that unlock uh, locked loot dungeons and sort of cave systems. Um, there's a lot of fun ads. The new uh, legend, Crypto is a drone flying uh, EMP wielding hacker man. And he's now my new main. He has really changed the gameplay for me. I am, as I said, garbage at the game. I am really, really bad. But now what this character allows me to do is truly support the team uh, and that I can turtle 
um, in a building, underneath some stairs, in one of those uh, those looty dungeons, I can just go hide in a corner and crouch, throw out my UAV, and actually provide a service to the two people on my team who hopefully aren't uh, piles of human garbage. <laughs> and I will spot enemies for them. I will use the EMP to shatter their shields. And then I will get into the fight once they've started chipping away and have attracted the attention of the enemy. It's changed the play style. It's great. The new map is fun. The graphics are awesome. If you sat the last few seasons out or the last few battle passes out, totally get it. But I highly recommend hopping back in. It's a lot of fun. I just might. Awesome. That's cool. That's Apex Legends. Yeah. Uh, what, what system do you play on, Kevin? Uh, PC, mostly. Yeah. Uh, well, the game that I uh, I still adore with my whole heart and that still, I think, is clinging on to my top games of the year list. We'll find out as as we get closer to the end of the year. But uh, is Ape Out. Ah. I love that game so much. So delightful. If you want to see how game audio it, it is a is a master a mastercraft in and of itself, play yourself some Ape Out. I mean, the graphics are stunning. The level design is great. The core premise, the mechanics, sure, great. I'm sure you've talked about it since you love it. But the interactivity of that soundtrack is yeah. something I can get lost in at all times. You feel like there's a jazz drummer hanging out on your shoulder and a trumpeter on the other one, and they are blasting along with every keystroke or button press. I was blown away. Yeah, it's so cool. And it, it, it there's a the, the way it puts you in that frantic mind state of, yes. a, of a recently freed wild animal is, is something amazing with, with the audio, with the, the sort of speed of the movement, with how quickly you can dispatch enemies. It's... Uh, it's an extraordinary thing, I think. And you're playing uh, grabbing somebody. Uh, oh, sorry, God. You're playing Game Pass. Is it Xbox and PC, or just? It, it, I, I don't know if that one was on the console. It, it might have been. I played it on the PC. It's it's very. It's still very confusing to me at times where and what I can play on Game Pass and how. Like Slay the Spire saw that it was on PC, but it's also on console. Ape Out, I think, was only on PC. Yeah, some are like the Messenger. I think is only PC. That's one area would I would like to see. Like if it's available on both. I would like if Game Pass had it on both. Like if it's only a PC game or right. only an Xbox game, sure that makes sense. But otherwise, yeah, it's like you should play that on Game Pass. Well, I can't because I don't have that or whatever it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But Game Pass is really. I mean, I wouldn't have played Ape Out if it were not for Game Pass. So I appreciate that. Same with Slay the Spire, Void Bastards, Thumper. These are all ones that I'm just now arriving to the party on. And so people can another one drops this week, right? Outer Worlds wilds man those games are named too similar it's like outer wild outer worlds is not out yet it's like the outer 18th wilds. it's very soon yeah, outer worlds is is the big sprawling role-playing game outer wilds is the uh also kind also of sprawling kind of yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's like roguelike exploration space game yes both on game pass both on game pass Tip your waitress. Um, yes, play the spire. I, I absolutely adore that game as well, and uh, it's also out on Switch. So it's like the perfect. I mean, that game is that game is like the only game I would need for a, a, a you know a year on a deserted island. I could one hundred percent. I I did not think like everything on the surface was like I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this, but it's uh, it's super super addicting and really fun, and the the difficulty ramp is perfect as you start to master the game and unlock new cards. But that can actually make the game more difficult as you now have more choices and different ways to build your character as you go. Um, for those who don't know, it is a, a a dungeon running game where you're building a deck of cards to help slay enemies and monsters and get you power-ups on your path to slay the spire and it's it's great yeah so good but tell me about brawl stars because this isn't oh, a game i've played at all i know you love it brawl stars is so good 
It's so good. If you, if you deleted Call of Duty Mobile, hop on over to Brawl Stars. I don't know what Superstyle's stance, stance is on, on freeing Hong Kong at the moment. Um, <laughs> they should really put that in the App Store in all the listings, you know? Look, like, yes, please. <laughs> if you're going to make me sit through 13 logos for the physics engine that you licensed for this game yeah. and an ESRB rating and 14 other companies that ported some textures, just give me one frame that tells me your stance on Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much to ask. I need to know if I need to bail out of the game. Uh, Brawl Stars is made by Supercell. They did um, a Clash Royale, cl- all the Clash games, Clash of Clans, I believe. Um, but this is, uh, you've played MOBAs. Yes, you both have played yes. MOBAs. Um, yes. Take a MOBA and then jam it into a towel and wring out all of the uh, minutia and the grind and the BS, if I may say that. Just wring all of that out of the towel. And what you're left with are really fun team fights where you're trying to go all in as much as humanly possible uh, and play strategically with a huge roster of characters. And that's what Brawl Stars is. Multiple game modes, mobile friendly, feels like you're playing a console quality game though. Huge roster of characters to choose from. Um, very solid friend and, and clan and sort of guild support so you can easily hop in with your friends and frantic, fun gameplay modes that are about two to three minutes in length, perfect for uh, a quick mobile snack or if you want to sink in. And, and that's it. You have very unique heroes with very unique powers from you know roguelike characters that go in and, and uh, attack from the bushes to shotgun-wielding tanks to magic spewers to sniper classes. It's all the fun of team fight MOBAs without any of the grinding, any of the laning, any of that stuff. Wow. I, you've sold me. It's I'm so good. It. It's so good. I played it for, I mean, it's been out for almost two years, I think. And we actually just ran the numbers within the office. I have put $200 into the free-to-play game, which I'm cringing a little bit, but I'm justifying it by saying that, hey, that's one like statue-toting collector's edition of a PC game these days-ish. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm okay. I play it every day for at least 30 minutes uh, at lunch. So that's... It's pretty good dollar to minute ratio. Do you play on your phone or are you playing on a tablet? Like, how do you consume it? Uh, on my iPhone, uh, exclusively. Again, that's Brawl Stars. Yeah. I, hashtag not an ad. I wish I got a kickback for it. I really did, but I highly recommend it. It is a we've, good one. We've definitely made it clear that you are for sale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no one is buying. It's the most desperate <laughs> listing ever. Oh, no, no, no Kevin. I, one comma. Kevin, I, I paid one. I paid two fifty for you, and I get you and the statue of you. <laughs> That's fair, but you're go- the bag's going to be made of canvas. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist? Well, we have one game in common, so I will uh, leave that for later. Um, so I will start with the Ninja Saviors Return of the Warriors, which I am playing on Switch, which this is a game that uh, I got a code for. I should say that up front. And it is a game that has totally been in my blind spot um, before it came out, where as someone who loves brawlers, I think most of people that listen to the show know that I love brawlers and the old Ninja Turtles, Punisher, uh, Streets of Rage, all of those types of games. So this is a remaster of a Taito game that came out like originally in the arcades, and then there was a Super NES version, but it was called something else. Um, Ninja Warriors Once Again, I think is what it's known in Japan. And originally the 1994 Super NES game, uh, Ninja Warriors. I'm probably going to get these names wrong. So... 
huge blind spot. I didn't know anything about this game. I never played it in arcades. I missed it on Super NES for whatever reason. Um, and I really regret that because it is blowing me away. I can't compare it to the original or how it used to look or how the quality of the remaster per se, because I, like I said, I didn't play or experience those games at all. But it is a beat-em-up that instead of being on kind of the 4D plane that Turtles and um, Streets of Rage are on where you can go up, down, left, and right kind of thing, you are strictly going left or right on a flat 2D plane. And so that alone changed fundamentally how I approach the game because I'm so used to in Turtles, you know, going up and down to dodge people or jumping and doing jump attacks and you kind of find your rhythm of how you're going to pr- proceed in the games and how you avoid bosses. And that strategy... Yeah, you always kind of get directly parallel to someone just above them and then try to jump into them and kick them at the same time or grab them and throw them. Yes, right? or you find your frames to attack and you hit and then you do the opposite and you kind of jump out of the way. So you're just right. out of that plane. And so... And, and this this 2D plane isn't incredibly limiting with the gameplay? Well, so that's originally... Because I'm like, I play games, I'll just play this game. And I was like getting wrecked, just absolutely getting wrecked. Um, but then I was like, I, should. I, love you. I love you suiting up to play games. Well, I play games. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and play this game. <laughs> Put my gaming gloves on and get my gaming scarf. Let's go. And I tap the, you know, be great today logo on the, above the doorframe as I walk out <laughs> and, and I play my game. <laughs> uh, so I'm sorry. So you thought, yeah, you, you can handle a different, literally and figuratively a different plane of game. Yes. So this should be a walk in the park. Yeah. Without doing any of the things that I would have done as a kid playing this type of game. Like, I don't know, read the the manual um so you can block which is not a thing you can do in turtles or punisher or any of these other games also not a thing that i did for my first half hour with the game in this <laughs> game and it's done by a long press on attack so you can't just kind of turtle block and then spring out you have to be strategic with it when you when you you know block versus attack and so that changes how you play the game. Like it, it tweaks kind of that brawler mentality a little bit. And then your other moves are jump and then you have special attack that charges up as you land other attacks. And then if you get hit, you kind of lose things off your charge. And with your charge, you can do like one big kind of clean, uh, screen clearing attack or smaller little special moves of like throwing um, daggers or something like that. And then initially there are three playable characters and they feel very different there's kind of like the mid then the light and then the heavy and they feel like they have weight to them which again in brawlers typically like in um uh final fight like yeah there's some difference between guy or whomever right but like or skate and and streets of rage but for the most part they're all fairly similar and and the ninja saviors return of the warriors um they feel very different and and kind of how you play and progress through the level um, it's not a particularly long game. I have not finished it, but I, I in my researching the instruction book, I, I saw how many levels there were. Um, but apparently you can unlock other characters and there's replayability in, in your score and stuff like that and how you go through it. So I was provided a code. I believe it's like 20 bucks online. It's been out in Europe and abroad for a while, but just came west um, either this week or is coming next week. I'm not entirely sure of an official release date. I should look that up. I think it is out now. Um, but yeah, if you like retro brawlers and you kind of think that they're all the same and you also maybe miss this, it's first release, like the subtle tweaks to the brawler, uh, formula that I'm used to really make it feel fresh where it's rethinking, rewiring your brain just enough to, to 
fight through the game and it looks beautiful. The pixel art looks absolutely stunning. Um, it's a 100% recommend for me. I really, really like it. Does the variety of the enemies like that arrive and their attacks and their patterns, does it, does it vary the gameplay enough? Cause my only, like I'm looking at it. I love these types of games. It looks beautiful as well. Uh, I'm in, but I, my worry is going to be that after, you know, 13 minutes, I'm like, well, okay, now I've experienced what the controls will offer, you know what I mean? And what the play style is going to be for the next three hours. No, it does. It does vary. I mean, there are things that are like environmental attacks where like bombs are falling out of the sky and you have people, you know, throwing things from a forest. You have to find a way to avoid the environmental attacks, but then also um, reduce the distance between you. And then larger brawling enemies will come in or things will fly from the sky. Like it is still a beat em up. It's not going to, you know, there's not all of a sudden a demon souls level in the middle of it or something like that. But for that style of game, yes, you see the the variety of enemies that I think that you would expect. And then the bosses so far have been huge and, and fun to tinker with also. So uh, no, it's not going to blow you away with like some new thing you've never seen before necessarily in terms of enemy variety. But there's enough that I feel like for the length of the game, it, it, it stays fresh throughout. Yeah. Very cool. Again, that is called the Ninja Saviors Saviors Return of the Warriors. Yeah, and I'm playing it on Switch. The other Switch game I'm playing is, uh, I'm playing it on Switch, Ukulele in the Impossible Lair. Uh, Before I start on this, Kevin and Jeff, did either of you play the original Ukulele? Oh, back in the day. No, not, no, not back in the day, like five years ago, right? Two years ago. Uh, oh, well, the, you're probably uh, thinking Banjo Kazooie, Banjo Kazooie, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I did the same thing first thing. There was like, I think I played Banjo, and then there was the nuts and bolts one, which wasn't very yeah. good. But no, I, I haven't. I I have not played the. the I have not played Ukulele. Yeah, the, the, no, no, that was the kickstarted thing, right? Yes, yeah. the first one was kickstarted, and it was very much meant to make you think of Banjo Kazooie. A lot of that team, those original people that worked on that game, and it was very much that game, this 3D air quote platformer where you are finding you know puzzle pieces throughout to collect. This game, Ukulele and the Impossible Lair, is not that. While narratively it takes place almost immediately after the first game, it uh, is a side-scroller. And no longer this 3D, you know, Mario 64, Banjo-Kazooie-style game. You still have a 3D map with limited uh, puzzling going on in that to kind of get to new areas and replay secrets and stuff like that. But the bulk of the game are, I believe it's 20, about 20, right around there, kind of storybook chapters that are 2D platforming levels um, and are absolutely exquisite. Like, I I would guess I'm, well, the weird thing is, I'll get to it in a little bit. You can kind of beat the game whenever if you're good enough, which I'm not. Um, of the, the levels in the game, I'm maybe a third, halfway through the game. And so far, they're they're really fun. They're not doing anything again, um, to preempt Kevin's question, I don't think they're doing anything drastically new or different in the platforming space. There's slippery ice, there's underwater swimming, um, there's spikes and stuff like that. And there's turning left to find all the secrets because <laughs> no one ever goes left in a platformer. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 really well done. It's whimsical. Jeff, it's full of puns in the writing like the first game was as well. And the premise of the game, and I have not got there yet, but I have read about it. So listeners, let me know uh, what you think I should do. I have a little bit of a dilemma because the game is premised as ukulele in the impossible lair. And it is that the final level, which apparently I, I believe there are no checkpoints in, and I've read can take 10 to 15 minutes to get through, is one very difficult, long 
level. And you can try that right from the beginning. Technically, feasibly possible to get through right off the bat. The rest of the game, you're going through all these little levels to collect bees, um, and those give you shields so or like hit points. So if you collect all of them, I think there are 20 levels, but you can kind of alter them by adding like um, frost berries that will then turn the change the geometry of the of the level. Now it's ice and stuff like that. So I think maybe 40, 45 in total to give you hits that you can take as you take on the impossible layer. So kind of the premise is you go through and you really cool idea, really cool really- idea, really, really cool. Um, so, you you know, you play through all these levels, one, because they're fun and two, to get it shield enough so that you can get through this impossible layer. But I have read that even with, you know, 40 of these bees or 40 of these hit points, the impossible layer is still that like hmm. nearly and impo- like very difficult for people on Twitter. I know and respect that have lamented it being very difficult. And the rest of the game, I would say, is very fair as someone who has finished Tropical Freeze and, you know, got through those Donkey Kong Country games. This the levels I've played feel not as difficult as those like fun and challenging and a, a really good time. But I'm a little discouraged being it's, it's this weird thing where it's like I'm enjoying this right there in the title. Man. Right there in the title. Well, yeah, I just yeah. I it's just not be- the, it's not called the walk in the park there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sorry to, uh, so sorry to interrupt. Um, I uh, I just beat it. <laughs> I was downloading. You started talking about it. It sounded great. I just downloaded. It. I skipped the tutorial. I hopped in. It was pretty. I mean, I get some of the platforming was tough there at the beginning, but like, but okay, also, look, you know, different 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 abilities for different gamers. I get it, guys. It's also Kevin's way of saying you talked a long time, man. Yeah. Oh no, that wasn't the implication. No, yeah, that was not the implication at all. I downloaded on my 56k bod modem. Oh no! I, I installed it off the floppies. There was many of them. I had them in a big bucket. Yeah, I got I them it. installed. <laughs> You're welcome because I have more to say. Uh, <laughs> my no, I, I go ahead, my sir. potential critique with the game, having not gotten there yet myself, is the idea of a huge difficulty curve. Right? Like I, I almost want these 40 levels to be building me up to that instead of. It'd be like if Mega Man, all of a sudden, Wily's Castle was 10 times harder than everything else. Like, Wily's Castle is doing everything you've done, right? So if you get to that point, you should be able to do it. And I'm curious to see how long I stick with this game, knowing I might not be able to beat it, which is frustrating. But I'm enjoying it right now. I love I love the concept of, here's this thing. This is the thing you need to do. It's very, very hard. Everything else is to make this a little less hard. But you can do this anytime you want. You can try it. You can set the challenge for yourself anytime. But everything else is just to make that easier. I think that's a really interesting kind of backwards way of going about a a level design, a, a, a central aesthetic for level design. That's cool. I 100% agree. I'm trying to see if anybody has speed run it yet just to try to make you feel even worse. <laughs> like there's got to be someone. Hey, I am a proud player. Who goes from title screen to credits in two minutes. Well, you, that's how I knew you were lying, Kevin, because you start the game in the impossible lair. So, ha, there's no, t- you would have beat it already. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm hopeful. Oh, that, that's what gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that that only that because I knew I did talk for a long time. So yeah, the rest was believable. Um, <laughs> I'm hopeful there's a patch because I'm a proud player of easy mode. Um, but I really like it so far. I, I, I really really enjoy it. Last game, and you said you were doing it on Switch. I am playing on Switch. Last game, Jeff. Before I let you, ukulele and the impossible air. Yes, ahead. ukulele and the impossible air. Thank you. Uh, then I want to hear your comments on this other game before I continue to blab. Uh, John Wick Hex came out on PC. 
uh, Epic Game Store and all the controversy that goes along with that. Um, it is fascinating. So it is as if you are playing a tabletop game um, version of John Wick, where uh, I don't want to say not StarCraft. Um, come on, brain. I don't play a lot of these games. Um, Jeff, you play XCOM yeah, X- or a little, X- a little XCOM, but it's, you know, okay. just you as as John Wick and you're moving around. Hex is both the villain's name, but also a descriptor of kind of the game it is um, where everything you do has time associated with it. And at the top of the bar, at the top of the screen, there's a, a bar that representing how long your move will take. And then when enemies appear, how long their actions are going to take. But I believe, and maybe this changes as you get further into it, you can only kind of see into the future like two seconds or whatever that is. But you can also sit and think about a move forever because there is a hard move that speeds that up. But in the default mode, when an enemy, if you're moving around the map uh, or the, the level, if an enemy comes out and surprises you, the game then freezes and you get to decide what to do, whether you want to try to shoot them, move, roll, uh, throw your gun at them, move This in. looks really cool. It's, it looks super cool. It is. This is the first time I'm hearing about it. This looks incredible. This is like, it looks very, it's like almost like a, like a hotline Miami meets like a Hitman Go-ish or super hot at the same time. I don't know. Yes. It's so really it, cool it is very much like super hot. Great point because time only moves while you move. So you can sit there and kind of tinker and plan for as long as you like. And then when you move that time bar on the tar- on the on the top of the screen keeps moving also. And so you have some moves that require focus. Uh that is like a little stamina bar at the bottom. You can always refill your focus for free, but that takes time. And this is the thing where you don't really you have to plan between levels, you can kind of prep, uh but then you're picking guns up off the ground. The way it captures the feeling of John Wick while without being an action game, I think is truly phenomenal and i applaud them for making it this type of game right the easy game is like the vr one where you just shoot 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 or like a batman style game where you're kind of running in guns a blazing and jumping all over people or whatever but to make it this strategy game that for all intents and purposes is slow but still makes you feel like john wick the way he would run through all these scenarios and milliseconds in his head walking into a room, but you get to sit there and plan a bit. Okay. I'm going to roll over here, crouch under this cover, throw my gun at this person, pick up their gun, punch this person to stun them. Then I got this enemy behind me. I'm going to double click to take them out. Absolutely phenomenal. I so far again, have not completed it. Absolutely in love with the game and the way it's making me think through situations as someone who doesn't play a lot of, you know, tabletop games, it might seem more trite to them. But I absolutely love it. My my only critique of the game so far is that after you finish a level, um, similar to Katana Zero, you're able to watch your replay through the level. And in Katana Zero, oh, I thought those were really cool and beautiful and fun to watch. In John Wick Hex, you still walk like you you did it. You know, it's like diagonal, diagonal. Bump into a wall, diagonal, um, crouch, crouch, diagonal. Yeah, I see. You could be like programming a really cool looking cinematic here once it knows the flow of the movement, but instead you're still, yeah, locked into the animations. I see what you're talking yes, about. Yes, yeah. So I understand that the, the way I'd want it to be is probably much more development intensive, but if they had done that, I think it would have, you know, landed on my top five games of the year, just how cool it is. As is, totally recommend it. I'm having an absolute blast with it, but I wish, I, I find myself skipping the the replay now because it's not as epic as actually playing it 
Um, when everything goes right, it feels really, really cool. It's John Wick Hex. John Wick Hex. Uh, what a cool use of that IP. Yes. What a really interesting cool use of the, li- of the license. Because uh, it seems like, you know, it would have been obvious to go with the first-person shooters John Wick game. Yes, like make a game like Black or whatever that uh, was that PS2, PS3 game. But yeah, it's really, really cool. And the art style works really well for the style of game it is. And the soundtrack is great. It's uh, It's awesome. I know it, I'm seeing right now, it looks like it's an Epic Game Store PC exclusive. It is. It, it, I think Does, it's, yes. I, I was just going to ask if the control scheme, do you think, could it lend itself to console controls? Because this is the game I would want on an airplane with my Switch. But I also don't know if it'd be fun to actually manipulate the character and make these choices that you're talking about with the Joy-Con. I think it would 100% work well on consoles. I don't think it would work well on Switch in handheld mode just because of the amount of text that is on screen. Because, for instance, if when I'm deciding to, to what to do to an enemy, I mouse over to them and, and click on them, and it will show me like uh, brawl, punch, shove, throw gun, shoot, roll. Like it gives you kind of all the options on screen. And I think in handheld mode, it would get too messy. Like there's times where there's like five enemies on screen, and I have can have commands up for all of them. My fear would be that doing that on the Switch screen would be a nightmare. But Control wise, a hundred percent, I could see how this could work with uh, a controller. Very cool. Uh, well, before we get to what I've been playing, uh, we do need to thank our second sponsor, which is Quip. I love my Quip. I actually we are a three Quip household at this point. We just got our third Quip, which is a toothbrush. It seems weird to be excited about a toothbrush, but I'm I'm not exaggerating when I say. I genuinely love this toothbrush. I've never loved a toothbrush before, but why? Because Quip actually makes me a, a more hygienic, a better person. It makes it, it takes things off of my plate. It makes it easier for me to do the right thing. Why? Because Quip handles it. It pulses. It, it's an electric toothbrush with these wonderful sensitive sonic vibrations, perfect for sensitive gums, but also the exact kind of thing that dentists would recommend. They also recommend you brush for two minutes, which over the course of my life, I have to admit, I rarely brush for two minutes straight. Not anymore, because Quip now pulses every 30 seconds to let me know 30 seconds have passed, and after two minutes, it turns itself off. So now I always brush for two minutes, I break up my mouth into little sections and every 30 seconds when it pulses, I go to the next section. I don't have to think about it. It handles that for me. I can let my mind wander. Even better than that, I've just started getting my Quip subscription, which gives you new bristle heads, new uh, new brush, and a little package of toothpaste and a little battery with awesome little easy-to-follow instructions of how to replace everything, keep everything clean, so simple, so easy, so cool. I don't have to think about, oh, I got to go get some more toothpaste. Oh, this brush is really getting old. I really should get one. I never remember to get one. So I'm brushing with a toothbrush that's got ineffective bristles because I've been doing it for years instead of months like I'm supposed to. Every three months, I get a new Quip brush head, swap it out easy as can be. This thing is stylish and cool. I genuinely love my Quip. I got one for my wife. I got one for my son. I got one for myself. We have three Quips in this house. And no more Quips, I say. Hashtag humble brag. <laughs> uh, I, I love it. So you should get in on this as well. Uh, I'm sure 90% of us don't brush as long as we're supposed to. Some people brush too hard. Some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive. 
Get rid of all that. Get on the Quip train like I am. Quip starts at just $25, and you get your first refill free when you go to getquip.com slash DLC. It's a simple way to support our show and start brushing better, but you got to go to getquip.com slash DLC to get your first refill free. Go right now to getquip.com slash DLC. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash DLC. You'll dig it. All right. Uh, the game that both Christian and I have been playing is a game I've actually been looking forward to since it debuted, I think, at an E3 at some point uh, as a PlayStation 4 exclusive. It's called Concrete Genie, and it is uh, a quintessential independent style game where uh, it's a beautiful art direction. I mean, the art direction of Concrete Genie, I think, really is what you should play this game for. It is a gorgeous game. Beautiful Unlike anything I think I've ever played visually, it's just it just carves out its own little niche of look and feel. It, um, it looks how I wish Telltale games looked, if that makes sense. Oh, that's interesting. Where it's like kind of got this, you know, very stylized look to things, but just such a gorgeous, gorgeous game. I think it's one of the best looking games I've played all year. It, it's 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 beautiful, but it's not like beautiful because it's so. Uh, realistic or so you know, pushing so many polygons. It's it's the art direction. It's and the the characters are very simplistic. They look almost like those old uh, Rankin and Bass uh, puppets. You know, it, like the way their mouths move. I can imagine them saying uh, a dentist. You know, it's like the same kind of way the mouths are animated. Uh, and it's a story of uh, a young uh, sort of preteen who gets bullied a lot and lives in this fantasy world that is dreary and dark and. Uh, he gets a, a paintbrush that allows him to sort of start painting uh, magical creatures and magical art around and enlivening and recapturing the glory days of these this location. Um, and the paintings themselves, it's really interesting decision visually because it doesn't look like paintings. It looks more like neon uh, like black light, something, you know, you'd see it when you turn on a black light, a uh, very cool, very evocative, really beautiful. Uh, I loved that element of it. And the monsters are all sort of this, where the wild things are inspired, um, look. So I, I, I just think the game is, <coughs> excuse me. I think the game is, uh, is stunning to look at and I'm glad I put some hours into it, but ultimately Oh, the other thing I want to say, too, positively about it is that it's a game, for the most part, where you don't shoot or kill anything, which is lovely. And, and games, I seek out games like that these days. I'm sorry, what's the, what's the game, then? Well, that's <laughs> the problem, honestly. Uh, if I can't pew-pew something, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. do. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a game of uh, wandering around places. It, it's sort of puzzle-solving in a very simplistic sense. Um, you're wandering around and you pull out your brush and you paint things and try to illuminate these um, darkened light bulbs um, with your with your neon paint. And sometimes they're hidden. Sometimes they're blocked by special dark areas of that require special paint. And the way you get special paint is you have to appease your little monsters that you can also find hidden around these uh, open world levels. Uh, and then those those monsters ask for you to paint specific things, and then you unlock other, uh, you know, um, items that you can paint that are in your potential palette of paints. Um, but ultimately, nothing is very compelling. There's some like light stealth stuff too. 
that isn't very hard. The game feels like it's made for a, a young audience, which I applaud as well. But I was coming to it really excited, thinking it would be something that I would enjoy. And I found myself to be uh, pretty underwhelmed by just the moment to moment of it, other than how it looked. Christian, what did you think? Yeah, I agree. I think I came to the game one. I also, as you've probably heard, I've been playing a lot of games this week, <laughs> a lot of them for a few hours or several hours. Um, I have not finished this. I've heard it's about six to seven hours, so I, I feel like it's about the right. What'd you say? I heard. I heard that the, the the end gets very different, and you are shooting things at the end. But I also have not gotten. It's to the called end. Concrete Genie and the Uzi Jeff. It's in the name. <laughs> the Uzi, <laughs> <laughs> but it's O O Z I E. I think it's Uzi. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I've heard that the end like gets crazy new mechanics, and you're shooting fireballs at stuff. And interesting. I have not gotten. But I, I really enjoy it. I agree with you. I think the, the, the weakest part is kind of the 3D platforming and exploring and kind of, or like the painting. I, I, I read, uh, some people on Twitter saying that like they found themselves making more beautiful paintings than they needed to because just kind of you're in the moment. And I found that the game's reliance on, um, uh, motion control or defaulting to motion control, like really pushing that. I didn't enjoy painting that way. Um, well, there's a lack of precision that you are able to get with that. I mean, you can use the right stick right. to paint, but even that it, it isn't not a game asking for precision. And you're able to customize those things and they persist, which I think is one of the best things about the game is that what you paint on a wall stays on that wall for as long as you're in that area. And you're able to paint some of these monsters that come to life and dance around. And if you want to paint them with antlers and weird right. appendages, they'll retain that. Yes. All of that is great. But, but yes, but you can't be very precise about how you're doing it. And you're sort of like slapping these predetermined images in a place. And I felt like, you know, if there was a, a more emphasis on actually drawing something, maybe there would be more art to be had there. Yeah. So I, I come to it for the visuals and the story. I, so far, I find the story very uplifting and very heartwarming, um, certainly pulling on heartstrings at the beginning. And I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, and I'm glad it exists. I, I think it is a beautiful game, but I don't think it's a game that the mechanics of play are the reason that it comes that you, you come to the table to play the game. I just don't think it was made for you and me. And I thought going in that it was made for you and me. I thought it was an indie game that was sort of made for a, a more adult audience, but it isn't. It really is a game about kids for kids, it seems to me. And the challenge level and the level of interactivity is proportionate to yeah. that age level. Maybe. I know it has a VR mode. I have not tried it. I'm imagining you have not also, if that's the correct. No, not yet, no. Yeah. I but love the is, idea of VR, like, like mini game. Really. Okay. I love the, tra like, hey, traverse and make art. Like, I've enjoyed that concept. I think a Jet Grind Radio was the yeah. one that made me really love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and everything that I had seen of Concrete Genie, I didn't realize until you just mentioned the, the motion controls. I thought for sure this was going to be the, the the PlayStation motion wand sort of compatible. It's What do they call that thing? The motion control? Garbage. What is, the, the, <laughs> is it the move controller? Yes. Is that what it is? Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. I thought that would be, it would be move compatible because I see the, the way the character was kind of moving its his arm and it looked very ornate, but now I'm hearing it's a little kind of clunky and not very accurate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's throwing back to a time when people made games that supported, you know, the gyroscope inside the controller, which 
was a hot minute where there's like, you know, Lair and all these games came out. Where it's like, we're going to, that's a thing. And everybody went, no, it's really not that great of a thing. And uh, so we haven't seen that very often, but this game goes, yeah, it could be a thing again. And it's fine. It's just not. And yeah, maybe not, it, it sounds like they brought it back to prove that it's still not really a thing. Yeah. Just so you guys know, you're not missing this one. <laughs> again, art direction on this is stupendous and worth seeing on a big, you know, on a screen in front of you. It's not, doesn't do it justice to just look at a YouTube video or anything, but it, it really is a beautiful game, but it's hard for me to recommend it to, I think, you know, adults who are looking for something a little meatier. Yeah. Um, I'll wait and stream it in standard def on my free stadia account. Thank you. <laughs> You'll show them. <laughs> All right. Um, well, you know, I, I have Kevin here. I think we should do, Uh-oh. if you're able to, we should do a, a few quick questions. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. Quick questions are submitted by you, the listeners, and you can do that a variety of ways, one of which is to send us an email at dlcfeedback at gmail.com with quick question as the subject. Uh, and another way is to post it in our subreddit. There is a sticky thread called Quick Questions where you can post new quick questions there, and uh, we love getting those. The first one is from Aaron Suarez. Quick question. Are you guys serial reloaders? I don't mean constantly <laughs> I don't mean constantly reloading saves. I mean firing a few shots, killing an enemy, and then reloading a gun, even though you have more than half a clip. I do it all the time, and my fiance says it doesn't matter. Kevin, it serial matters. Reloaders? It every reload matters, man. I there used to not be consequences for being a serial reloader. That used to be the thing that you would scream at your friend about. Reload. You just took one shot. Get behind cover and reload. Go for it. But now, I'm, as I said, I'm a little addicted to the Apex Legends. I am not a credit to my team because I shoot one bolt out of my Peacekeeper, the shotgun in the game, and then I immediately turtle and reload. I, I disengage from fights for it. My play style is, is worse for having played around this weird habit that I picked up ages and ages and ages ago when it didn't seem to matter as much in some online games or it was encouraged in certain games. So it matters. I'm a serial reloader and now I have another thing that I need a support group for. Hooray. <laughs> I didn't know that before we started recording and now I'm still a flawed human. Even more. Yeah. My name is Jeff Kanata and I too am a serial reloader. <laughs> you are? Uh, you, oh. you're a, you mash the X? Oh my goodness. Yes. Two shots, reload. Two sh- if there is not an enemy actively shooting at me, I'm reloading right. for sure. Uh, and sometimes even when there is an enemy actively shooting at me, um, <laughs> the worst thing in the world is, is shooting to the end of a clip. And then that moment where your gun doesn't go and you wanted it to go and you're reloading, you're like, I'm out here, I'm out here with my butt in the wind and everyone sees me. Uh, so I always feel like I need to have that positively full clip. Also, I will say, uh, slightly related to this, uh, affliction is the fact that Almost always, if there's an option in the RPG elements to add more bullets to my clip or make faster reloads, I always go to faster reloads. Always, always, always. Because I don't care if there's actually more bullets in my clip. I'm going to be... Worry. Baby, I'm we're gonna... never going to see the bottom of this clip. Don't <laughs> exactly. worry about it. You're never going to hear the ping noise of this one. I'm... I just want it faster when I invariably push that button more times than I need there to. Was, it was, I think it was Day of Defeat, well, or even Call of Duty. Anyone that, is it the M1 Garand? Garand? I'm sorry, I've just, I probably offended somebody who served, but there was a gun that you had to finish the clip before you would reload, and it was popular in like 
World War One. Am I crazy? It would make that in Day of Defeat specifically. It'd make the ping noise. And my yeah. reload habit is so bad that I would take one actual shot at the enemy and then be like, "Well, I got to look up at the sky box and empty this entire clip into the sky <laughs> so that I can reload instead of engaging the enemy with it." So I'd turn around and pop, pop, pop. Hilarious, uh, Christian. Are you with us? I mean, I cannot believe. We're on the same page. Totally same page. <laughs> um, and I feel like games still, still some games reward it. Gears 5. Like, you need a full clip yes. to take down the smallest of enemies. So they reward active reloading. They literally call it active reloading, right? Like, you, if you're not shooting, you're reloading. And then I like games. I'm sorry for mentioning it every episode. But something like Control that takes reloading completely out of your hands where you, you're bullets come back you know at the rate they come back at and the way you balance that is you use your powers instead of shooting from your gun so i I like games that do something interesting with that but yes if i have an opportunity to reload you better believe i am reloading spoiler alert for john wick hex uh especially in the early missions before you can kind of plan a little bit your loadout but that game is really built around picking up clips from people you take down and I'm so used to just like hoard all the clips that I kept picking up every clip thinking like I have all the bullets now and then realizing like, why do I only have four? Why am I out of shots? Well, because you only have one gun. And when you pick up a clip, you're putting that clip in your gun. So I'd have a gun that I only shot twice. So let's just say 10 bullets. I had eight bullets left. Then I'd pick up my an enemy's clip that only had four bullets in it. But I, because I needed to reload, I would like take my eight clip eight bullet clip out throw it away pick up four and be like yeah now i'm ready <laughs> this trade off is fair yeah. yeah i always imagine that in real life like if there was a, a guy who was you know this soldier on the battlefield running and he shoots twice and then pulls out the clip and just throws it <laughs> with the front front in. by so. the end of john wick you're actually just throwing the guns at enemies you're just picking them <laughs> off the bodies yeah. and whipping the entire pistol <laughs> you joke but yes <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, quick question number two. This one comes from Rob. He says, uh, quick question. How do you feel about the recent trend of celebrities showing up in video games? For example, Keanu Reeves in Cyberpunk 2077, John Bernthal in Ghost Recon Breakpoint. For some reason, I find this to be really distracting in video games, and I can't quite pinpoint why. Uh, Jeff Keighley in, in, in All, Kojima's yeah. weird baby game. Every, yeah. Everyone in that game. The, the celebrity simulator. <laughs> Yeah, what do you feel, uh, Kevin? Are you are you down for some more Keely in your games? I, I've, yeah, I'm mean, like I don't. It, it, the, it's like, what do I feel? And I'm like, I'm pretty numb to the world these days, fellas. Um, <laughs> and this, you know, maybe it's my soul is a little too calloused, but like, I don't really feel about this. I think it's great. I mean, I wh- where where do I have a problem with this? I hate seeing junket interviews where a celebrity who clearly has never played a game or genuinely doesn't care about it at all. Um, when they say, oh, yeah, yeah, I love doing the, I did the Atari, I did the, I did the Digi voice for the thing, and it's great. My kids love it. Like, I, you know, they're taking a role from someone who might uh, otherwise be really excited to be in that property and be a part of that. But I feel like that was like, I cut my teeth in this industry working for a, a video game news show back at like G4 Tech, well, it was G4 TV at the time before they destroyed Tech TV and merged the name. But I cut my teeth working at a game company, and the first, pack like package that i cut was jason rubin saying that celebrities in video games are a problem essentially uh or at least the way the game industry was treating them was a problem he said the fact that tara reed is invited to a game premiere and the coders and the guys who make the art aren't allowed there that's an issue um so the you know the the whole celebs in games and what does that mean thing yes it's a multifaceted thing but i think 
over time, I, I feel like the, the celebrities that do gravitate towards that and the games that, that put them in there, you have to be passionate about the project, right? What was the last one? I'm trying to think of the last one where a celeb slapped their name on it. And it was really, it was just that cash grabby. I'm sure it's out there. I just don't know. I mean, there's a Kevin Spacey Call of Duty that I, I don't, I have a feeling. I don't know. Maybe Kevin, Kevin Spacey supposedly was a gamer, but I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's another one I remember. There's a few others. Um, Christian, what's your, what's your feeling about this one? Yeah, I, I gen, generally don't mind it. I think it's if it takes you out of the game or it, same thing is true of like a, a movie or TV show sometimes where like an actor is just synonymous with something and then there's something else and you're like, no, that's that's the Punisher. This 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 is Ghost Recon the Punisher. I don't care what you call it. Um, so sometimes seeing someone, especially where other characters are like, create a play like every character looks very samey or you know all the thugs have ski masks on and helmets and goggles so you don't have to render hair or face and then all of a sudden it's like hi i'm kevin spacey like you you know and it's like the most detailed render of anyone in the game and they're in it longer than they otherwise should be because they're kevin spacey and or whatever it is so i feel like those moments it's when the the celebrity is overused or used to a detriment of the game that i think is a detriment but seeing uh, celebrities in games and having their likeness in games and stuff like that. Generally, I'm all for, and I think that there are, um, you know, we've all grown up playing them. So I think there are a lot of people now who are genuinely excited to be them. Like Lance Reddick is in all the things. Oh, I should say that John Wicks, John Wicks, John Wick Hex, both um, Wilson, Winston and um, Reddick's character. They, they do their voices in the game, which is awesome. Um but I like that and, and, and I like it and I, I want actors to act. And if they act their role well in video game, I'm all in favor of it. I have a slightly different facet of this I want to bring up, which is I I kind of get where Rob is coming from on this because I find it a little bit distracting as well. And I'm trying to figure out why that is. And I think it might be because unlike other things where a celebrity can show up in this one, there's a transition that has to happen of being converted into the game and you know when you look at nathan drake in in game there's no actual real life human being that you're comparing him to in your mind he just looks like an authentic character but when you know john bernthal shows up or or keanu reeves you know what the real keanu reeves looks like and so there's this moment of like well how well did this CG version of Keanu Reeves pull off being Keanu Reeves. How uncanny valley are we right now? And I think that maybe that might be some of the distraction for me is that all of a sudden now I have a, you know, a comparison point, a, 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 uh, a what's the word in science? Your, uh, your control, you know, I have a control. Game. Now, a control. Game. Yeah. Anyway. That's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. I think that's probably very true because immediately you are, how good does this person look to their likeness? Unless it's a heavily stylized game where it's, you know, not photorealism, but anytime there's a photorealistic type game that has an actor in it. Yeah. I am instantly going like, they look pretty good or totally messed up their nose. Yeah. I mean, what about something like a, like beyond two souls where, you know, the, the the large portion of the game is hung on the fact that there's, it was Ellen page. Hey, we have a celeb fronting this. Did that get in the way of your enjoyment of the game or did that, I don't know if you've actually played it. Maybe we start there, but did did. it get in the way or did it heighten it? Cause for for me personally, I just remember I didn't spend a ton of time with the game, but when I did, I actually, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I enjoyed her performance. Sure. Her performance was, was excellent. And uh, I, you know, I don't think this for me is about necessarily the, fact that they're not 
delivering good performances. It's more that I'm constantly going, oh, it's Ellen Page. Oh, it's Ellen Page. Oh, it's Ellen Page. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why in video games I'm doing that and not in TV shows or whatever other thing that they're – it just feels like because it's, oh, it's Ellen Page Digital. It's Ellen Page – oh, should she sit for the thing? And they do they put the dots in her – I don't know. I, my brain does that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all right. Last one. Uh, quick, quick question. Uh, this one comes um, from the subreddit from Broken Elder. Broken Elder says, what game or games have had the most emotional impact for you? He says, I love games that take me right to the place of feeling with uh, what characters are feeling. My answers are Telltale's Walking Dead first season, Life is Strange, and Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. Uh, what about you, Kevin? Uh, any games that hit you in the feels? Uh, I no, I don't. As we've established, I'm a pretty callous soul. I don't really. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm trying to think. Like odd. By one, the way, I know, you, like, I know you pretty well, and I know that's the opposite of the truth. Well, th- that's kind of you to say. I appreciate that. I was fishing for exactly that. Now I feel comfortable <laughs> talking. Um, I, um, I, you know, games like like Thomas was it? Thomas was alone. Was mm, one that yeah, like. Yeah. Made me made me feel something. Uh, a lot of the indie titles will do that to me. Uh, Flower had me feeling some kind of way when that first came out. Um, you know, same with Beyond. But um, you know, the one that got me really recently was uh, Bogo. Are you familiar with Bogo? I'm not. It is an Oculus Quest. I think it comes free, or at least the trial is free. It's preloaded because I didn't. I don't think I downloaded it from the store. Um, I think it's a free game, Oculus Quest, and it's like a virtual generic looking lizard dragon tamagotchi game now i wasn't playing bogo when it moved me emotionally i had some friends over and uh i put one friend on the quest in uh like a poker stars vr thing and he was busy hitting uh uh, invisible vapes and blowing bubbles with strangers at a card table and then i put bogo on my other friend emily who had never really done vr and i have some video of her on her hands and knees rolling around on her back scratching up at a digital lizard's chin and squeeing at it and cooing at it and praising it and rubbing its virtual little ears and throwing toys around. And it is not, I don't think it's a triple A Tamagotchi-like experience. I mean, it's free for the quest. Yet while she's doing this, my dog is on the floor next to her, also on his back, pawing at the air, saying, hey, give me attention. I'm a real living, breathing thing that wants, wants some pets right now. And she, for a solid 15 minutes of what I would think is like a three minute experience was connecting with this virtual creature and praising it and trying to play chase with it and feed it virtual apples. And like, look, I, not to diminish all the great storytelling and games, cause I'm going to this moment as one that hit me emotionally, but it was the first time I had really looked at interactive entertainment in a long while and thought, Oh, this is, we are, we do not know how, how crazy and exciting and potentially dangerous and disassociative <laughs> this future is going to get. It was a, uh, it was a real, real amazing, impactful moment. Bogo, of all things. That's amazing. I love that. It's beautiful. Uh, Christian, how about you? Um, emotional game? I have three, and I bet you'll be able to guess one of them. Uh, the Last of Us. I played that right after, or very close to when my daughter was born, and that connected with me in a way that I think maybe it wouldn't have connected as strongly had that not been the time of my life when I played it. Um, Celeste, more recently, I think would it the way it handles its story and, and, and talking about mental health and depression, I think is beautiful and, and touching in the way it balances that with its gameplay. And then one that I think it's probably been spoiled for everybody now, but the way I experienced it, I think braid was oddly 
touching and emotional and and hit me stronger than I thought it would because I found that game, uh, spoiler alert, I'm a big dum-dum. I found that game very frustrating that I, it kind of like how I talked about Ninja Savers, like I had to rewire my brain to do the thing, which I know was the point of the game. Um, But the way it told its story through that, I thought was fascinating and, and has clearly left a lasting impact on me. That's a great one. Yeah, I remember the end of Braid hitting me like a wallop as well. Um, mine is one I think is is pretty obvious for people that have listened to the show, and that is uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, uh, which is a game that just absolutely destroyed me emotionally. Uh, there are some scenes in that that I still think of. In fact, I was just at a three-year-old's birthday party talking to uh, – oh, no, that wasn't a three-year-old's birthday party. Anyway – a friend who also has a three-year-old was, was over at my house and we were talking and talking about video games. And, uh, he mentioned what remains of Edith Finch. And I was like, I think about that game every single time I push my son on the swing. And he's like, me too, me too. Wow. So it was a very amazing moment in that game where you're pushing someone on, or you're riding on a swing. Um, and I mean, that game is extraordinary on a number of levels, but it, it is a game that has stayed with me. And the imagery of that game, the feeling of the interactivity of that game, uh, hit me really hard and has stayed with me ever since. So it's a sign of a really amazing piece of art, I think. That's beautiful. Did you guys ever play Papers, Please? Yes. Yes. Because yes. that one, like, it's the uh, it's odd that that one got me, but there were definitely moments where, you know, when I play a game, I could look at a dialogue tree and go, okay, if I want to be the good guy or want to do the good thing, then it's option A versus dialogue wheel Y. But in that game, I I felt like it was the dumbest little game, but it's so impactful to me. But I was like, well, am I going to, let this person in? Am I going to give this digital person some salvation or trust them? Or are they a, are they a cult or am I going to be indoctrinated in one? I have no idea. Um, but I wasn't expecting that from a, a passport verification simulator. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. And I think we're just starting to really get there in mainstream gaming and in, in, in exploring other emotions than just fear and excitement. You know, if we've done fear and excitement for, 30 years now in, in interactive stuff. And I, and it's, you know, there's still room to explore those things and have a lot of fun with those things. But I think other emotions now where the technology is there, the artistry is there, the respect for the medium is there. And I think we're going to see more and more and more of that happening too. Agreed. Uh, all right. Well, this has been a, just a, an absolute blast talking to you, Kevin. A really fun episode. Uh, but we have come to the end. We do have parting gifts coming up. Ooh. So stick around for those, but, Kevin Pereira. Hey, thank you guys. Thank you so thank, much for having me. That was thank a lot of fun. you. Oh my goodness. This is so fun. And tell people where they can keep up with you and your goings on online. You, you can't really these days. Uh, I'm uh, attack on Twitter. I think that's about it. I think that's a, that's the good place. Yeah. No, that's on All NBC. Right. The good uh, place is on NBC. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a I'm a series regular. Oh, you guys should oh, introduce it. me as such. I know a lot of people know me as the, the gaming tech guy from who used to be relevant, you know, 40 years ago. I get it, but no, I'm actually a I'm a network television star now. <laughs> uh, I do want to just real quick, Licked Spear. I know we're talking about Game Pass games. Have you guys yeah. tried this yet? Licked Spear. Licked Spear. It's no. a spear throwing simulator, and it's 80s and techno and, and over the top German, and it's all about neon and throwing laser spears. It's on the Switch, it's on PC. I played it for free on the Xbox, and I'm always, always loving different uh, couch co op games. I love me some couch co op. It's kind of why I'm excited for, I'm going to say it, the Amico, but uh, Licked Spear. It's like, I think, five, six dollars on Steam right now. 
It's so good fun with a partner, play at co-op, throw neon spears at hordes of zombies uh, with a crazy 80s uh, metal soundtrack. I'm sorry. I've, I've now, I have rambled too long, but there you go. All right. All right. Licked spear. You got it. And you're going to have an opportunity to give us another uh, recommendation if you like, because uh, we're about to do our parting gifts. But Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Twitter's the best way at Spicer. Um, if any LA shows pop up, I'm not, I don't know of any time I'm on the road anytime soon. I don't have anything planned at Spicer's the best way. And then this show, I usually stream live on Sundays at 7:15 Pacific on twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And I mentioned it last week. I'll mention it again this week. People uh, that went there seem to dig it and maybe we'll keep trucking along, but you can search for control pad on YouTube or uh, your podcast provider, CTRL PAD. Let me know. Yeah, we're doing Christian and I are doing stuff over there on that old control pad. Uh, So check it out. CTRL PAD. Uh, Also, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And uh, you can listen to me talk about movies and TV shows on the Slash Filmcast, which you can find at SlashFilmcast.com. Also, if you're into awesome storytelling and uh, fantasy themes, please check out The Dungeon Run. It is a show I am extremely proud of. Uh, We have hit our episode 21 this last week, and things got goofy and fun. Uh, We just came off of some epic fight at the bottom of the sea against a kraken complete with a fully animatronic kraken model that we had it it is an extraordinary thing i'm a part of and i'm so proud of it It is dungeons and dragons live play where i'm the dungeon master making up the story for this awesome group of players um and man i just i love it i love it i love it Um, it's so good buddy congratulations on it i was i got to visit the office randomly and got to see all the little set pieces and the design design up close. And it is, it's, it's amazing. The world that's being built in real time in front of audiences. So kudos. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah. I'm, I feel like it's the best work I've ever done in my life and I'm really proud of it. So I hope people give it a shot. You can find it on YouTube by searching for the dungeon run, or you can find it as an audio podcast, wherever you get audio podcasts by searching for the dungeon run, or you can watch it live as we record it on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific on caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. Christian, isn't it great being a part of something that Jeff's in doing in real time that some might say is the best thing he's ever been a part of or ever done, and then he clarifies that and lets you know that his other show is the most important work he's ever done? Oh, no. I mean, I had a good four and a half years of that with him. So the fact that he moved on, <laughs> I'm thrilled for him. Because for years, this has always just been a show I did, and I had so many other passions that I cared about. And Jeff had nothing. So for him to have something now, it's it's like watching a child grow up, you know? I feel great. Oh, Yeah. No, that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into our parting gifts. Kevin Prayer, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week that might not be a video? I should have prepared for this more. I looked at the Google Doc, man. I clicked the links. I knew the stories. I didn't get this far. Well, you got um, Spear. Uh, oh, so- Lickspear is great. I will. You know, I just I, I'm I fancy myself a book reader these days, hmm. and uh, the book that I just wrapped up was the Hard Thing About Hard Things. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm frantically typing that in. So it's uh, Ben Horowitz, uh, one of the He's a tech luminary. He's built many of many of businesses, uh, some that have done incredibly well, others not so much. 
Um, he's part of a VC firm right now, Andreessen Horowitz. So he's uh, in the investment and the tech startup space. But the book is um, written from a perspective of like, oh, hey, from a manager standpoint, from a business builder standpoint, from an entrepreneur standpoint, from a human being, these are the hard things about doing those jobs that any pamphlet or self-help book or promised, you know, PowerPoint seminar isn't going to teach you the human connection or lack thereof sometimes with making decisions, um, not knowing what you don't know and how to bravely move forward with that. And it, it's a recommendation that someone on the surface might go, Hey, I don't, maybe I've no desire to run a business or anything like that. That's totally fine. Uh, I think there's tons of wonderful takeaway that is not, uh, not exactly business related. You can definitely come to a, there's a lot of like personal insight uh, to be found from the things that he talks about and the ways that he navigates certain issues. And if you do have a job, uh, if you have a boss, I, like I wish I would have had this book 10, 15 years ago so that I would have understood the perspective of those who were above me and leading me and um, making decisions and explaining them in a certain way or not explaining them in a certain way. It would have helped get, give me a lot of perspective on maybe what they were dealing with. So, um, Wonderful, wonderful book. Easy read, quick read, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. The hard thing about hard things. Awesome. Wow. I, that's wonderful. Uh, Christian Spicer, how about you? Parting Two. Gift? One I think I mentioned kind of every time around this time of year, and it's pumpkin bread. Oh, uh, mm, yum, 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 yum. Uh, you can use canned pumpkin, or if you're feeling adventurous, and it's not that difficult, when you're carving your pumpkin, uh, you know, get a, get some pumpkin and make some pumpkin for yourself to make some pumpkin bread. Delicious. Uh, it's, there's so much brown sugar in it. Uh, <laughs> don't think it's healthy. Uh, it's really good Two, that. I can't believe that wasn't delivered in character, by the way, where was, <laughs> ah, the, no, that's, that's where was the spice man? On Kevin, there? like you, the spice man has gone corporate and is for sale. <laughs> I am going to get this Walmart crowd. So excited to talk about revenue, um, as the spice man, <laughs> the second one. And I treated it like an event. Cause I found myself. And I'm finding myself with the video games this way a little bit too. It's like I have it in a subscription service. I'm less likely to finish it. Like Gears 5, liked it. Feel like I'm close to the end. Haven't finished it because I'm like, oh, you know, whatever, I have it. Um, right. Versus like bought this, better play it. Um, so I feel that way with movies as well. I say all that to say El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. I forced myself to be excited about it. I love Breaking Bad and I wanted to like watch it the day it came out. Um, and wife and I popped some popcorn and sat down and like, went to the movies to watch it and um, really enjoyed it. I, I would say it is phenomenal if not necessary as my review, but um, really, really well done in terms of something that that show and its cast and that world, I think in terms of the tension it can create um, it delivered in spades. So it's on Netflix. You already have it. Maybe you're pushing, uh, putting off watching it, but El Camino, I thought was really, really well done. I agree. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, all right. Um, we have a listener suggested parting gift. This comes to us from Nat Matt Dickerson uh, via DLC feedback at gmail.com. Matt writes, uh, Jeff, you were bemoaning how you're stuck in a rut with regards to your music. I have to recommend the podcast song exploder. 
Each week, the host has musicians take apart their songs piece by piece and talk about how they were made. I found this is a great way to discover new music. The podcast has many artists that I have never heard from before and spans all different genres of music. That said, there are also some very famous folks on the podcast, too, from time to time, like Fleetwood Mac, Arcade Fire, Weezer, R.E.M., The Roots, Nine Inch Nails, and more. Give it a listen. It's also a shorter podcast with most episodes running from 15 to 25 minutes. So the commitment is low. You'll love it. Thanks for everything you guys do. Love the show. Thanks, Matt. Uh, I have listened to Sonic Exploder. It's a great podcast. I should revisit it. Uh, but yes, I was bemoaning uh, the fact that I seem to have a hard time discovering new music these days. And a lot of people sent wonderful recommendations. I found two songs that I want to have as my parting gift this week. Neither of them are relatively new. <laughs> I think they're all both old, but they're new to me. You guys probably know them because you guys are much cooler than I am. Walking uh, but- on the Sun and <laughs> Superman. It's called, this song, Let It Be? Have you heard of this? <laughs> Premise um, of a great movie. No, the, Yeah. These, um, the, the first is uh, a song from a group that I wasn't aware of called A Silent Film. And it's a song called Danny Dakota and the Wishing Well. And I've basically had it on repeat for like three days. Uh, my son loves it. He dances around to it. It's so great. Uh, Danny Dakota and the Wishing Well by a silent film. And the second song, a uh, very different kind of song, uh, is from Ben Howard and is a song called The Old Pine. Both of those uh, new to me, not new songs, but man, I've just been digging those two tracks lately and I wanted to share them with everybody. I just added them to my playlist for tomorrow morning. Oh, Delightful. awesome. I can't Let me know what you do. I'd love to. You guys, to. you guys ripped through that new tool yet? That fear inoculum? Is it good? It's fantastic. It's a new tool. Come on. It's a new tool. I, it actually I'm really not- is. It, it's good. If you, I mean, look, if you like tool, you'll love it. If you don't like tool, it's not going to, th- that particular milkshake is not bringing it to the yard. I was I was into the the that one tool song that had, that that one that everyone knows that had the video with the stop motion dude the weird clay beats. guys that uh, yeah the well I can't even say what the song's about okay because you don't have an explicit tag but yeah I know which <laughs> song you're talking about if you liked that song they've evolved a little bit it's a little more math rocky but uh, right. it's still Big good it. check it out. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. What a fun one. Uh, thanks again to Kevin Pereira and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to the folks in our chat room live, listening to the show, making us better in real time. We appreciate you as well. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those fun bumpers. And thank you to each and every one of you who download the show. We appreciate you as well. Hey, why not take a second, recommend the show to a friend. Word of mouth is our best best advertising. Or you can uh, maybe post a review on your podcast downloader of choice. We appreciate that as well. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.